This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big Eight perfect champion. 93-7, the ticket veteran and Ortega connoisseur, Jake Bakoven. I like Ortega and I like Pepper. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. This is On the Block with Stricken Bob. Hold up. We are back for another edition of On the Block. And on the block, we have a nice segment that we'd like to do once a week called Ask Strick. So get your questions in to Eric Strickland, longtime NBA vet, of course, Husker Hall of Famer. Get us those questions in. Honda Lincoln Hotline 402-464-5685. And we can kind of dive into the mind of Strick, maybe go to his, to his past, present, and future. Anything really is open on the table. Uh, so we'll, we'll get through that here. Uh, in just a second, we did want to remind you too. Uh, Strick is is actually going to be um, out tomorrow, but we will be out at the Mercado, and Jake Sorensen's going to be joining me out there, uh, as well as Nate Brennan will be back from studio. So it'll be a nice little fun show we got together on the block tomorrow. I I did want to promote that as well. But again, it's time for Ask Strick. So give us your questions four zero two four six four five six eight five on the Sarder Heyman text line. Strick, our first question comes from our producer Nate Brennan over here uh he's been uh, he's been kind of by he's getting frustrated all afternoon because of our show earlier and uh and maybe some comments he got back there so maybe he'll he'll uh, he'll give you some questions from that but uh, i'll leave the floor open to nate nate uh what are some things you want to ask strick here yeah definitely frustrated bach and strick i'll try and explain kind of the situation so me and bach were having a discussion about kind of recruits, how people look at the program, should the expectations be different. And then I mentioned Scott Frost and how he's kind of the face of Nebraska football right now. And then I said something, I don't think it was taken in context correctly, but I said, when you think of Nebraska football, it starts and ends with Scott Frost. Basically what I meant is someone in my generation, when I think of Nebraska football, especially someone that's not from Lincoln, not from the state of Nebraska, one of the first names that comes to mind is Scott Frost. So my kind of question to you is, how do you view the program, one, as someone who kind of was a player during that era when Scott Frost was playing, and then two, how do you think recruits look at the program right now? Great question. Uh, I, I looked at the program as it was very systematic, meaning that you saw there was a system in place where it was a next-up system. It was... Um, you come in, you put in your time, nothing was granted or nothing was promised or nothing was given to you. You either executed or that next person was going to fill your, your spot. And if you, if you got 20 snaps in a game, your numbers would go down because there was another person that was just as hard as you waiting in the wings. And so you saw a very systematic system. You saw a very disciplined system. Um, you saw a system of leadership from inside in the core. You, you, you saw um, a very confident, a very united front. It was, it, was, it was all about the brand 
and the brand was 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 bleeding red. Huskers go big red. It was it was all about the bones. It depended on you know what side you were on. Um, so you saw that. Now, it 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 it, it seems like there's schism. It seems like there's uh, fractures. Um, you you can go back and watch tape of those teams. And if there was an off tackle run, if there was a a pitch, if there was an option, you could see the discipline on the players who executed and did their assignments. You didn't see a lot of broken coverages and all kinds of stuff like that. It was like the guys were very astute. They were graded very well. And, 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 and if they, if they didn't match up, then they didn't play. So it was, it was like that. Now it doesn't seem to have that same type of, uh, uh, structure to it, that same type of feel to it. Now, I think people, when they look at the program now, they they you you would love to be able to dawn on your history and dawn on your past, but at the same time, you've got to be able to see something inwardly, not just in the in 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 the um, when I say inwardly, you you've got to be able to see something within that locker room that shows that there's that leadership, there was that 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 stepping stone, there's that foundation there's that drive to make this program the best in the country. You, you would want to see that. And, and I don't know if, if guys, when they show up and I can speak just on the behalf of like uh, one of my, my close friends and, and his son, his son, Keegan, I mean, Keegan in the same manner is, is when he looked at it, he didn't see it from that standpoint. He didn't see it from how he would be able to, uh, uh, he saw structure. He saw family. He saw united when he when he looked at Iowa, and that's why he chose that. I think you know. So um, that I guess that's the best way I could answer that question. So then, kind of going off of that, another point that I made was when you're selling the program to these recruits. I mean, most of these kids were born in 2003, 2004, 2005. Now, I mean, they don't know Nebraska yeah. like a lot of fans do. Do you think that Nebraska, when they're recruiting these kids, should be using the national championships in the 70s, the 90s as a selling pitch? Or do you think that's so far in the past that's not going to resonate with these recruits? Uh, I think you should use it, but you use it from a standpoint of we've gotten away from who we were. And we, we see you now as a piece to that puzzle of rebuilding back the, 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 what it used to be and what it looked like. Yes, it doesn't look like it was, but we know you're an integral piece. You're an integral part to that building block. In the same manner as if you take five fingers and if I slapped you with my five fingers, at the end of the day, there's no power. There's no, there's no strength. There's no, no, no friction in that, right? But if I unite them together, and that's where the, the individualities of what you're coming here for, if you're just coming here to build numbers, then, I, then maybe Nebraska is not the place for you. But if you're coming here to unite under the banner and make this, this place great again, then we want you here. You know, something of that nature. I, and I could be wrong. They could be selling that. I, the, that's the way that I would. So I would look to that past, not from the standpoint of selling it, but from the standpoint of your piece to help us get back to that, and we need you.
It's interesting too because Nate's got uh, Nate's got a, a nice prediction for this upcoming season. He thinks Nebraska is going to do very well, and, and so this question comes from me because I'm kind of torn here between. Um, and I've talked to you know another friend that used to do this, you know, used to be in the business, and it kind of refreshed me when I kind of asked him about it. And he, he said, "I expect nine wins every year. I, I won't I won't stray away from that if I'm a Husker fan because I know it can be done, and that needs to be the minimum standard at Nebraska." I've, I've, I've for the last couple of years I've been kind of straying away from that right I'm going okay yeah but this or that and you know after last year and, and certainly coming into this year going from three and nine to nine and three that's a big turnaround probably shouldn't be expected so I'm kind of torn between being a prognosticator and giving you what if I'm if I'm taking the bias out of it what I really think and what I want to believe as uh, holding the standard for Nebraska to be at somewhere around nine wins um, do you think it's disingenuous to predict nine wins I suppose when you look at the when you look at the West why not I, I mean that's what Harbaugh mm-hmm. I mean Harbaugh looks at that from that that and he popped it he popped the popped yeah. the, he won the pop quiz he turned it he around through but he was 10 to nine you know he's he was always right there in that in that same space right in the West why not yeah it's it's simply no, possible. tell me how that's not possible in the West it's possible. It just feels like maybe best case scenario or best, which didn't happen I mean, that's last what, year. That's, yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. I think that should be the bar for any coach. And, 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 and so now I bet a lot of Husker fans out there, those that are listening, I bet you you remember them Bo Pelini days. Yeah. A lot better, right? <laughs> a little bit better. At least you were knocking on the door. You're 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 about to pop through. You're you're on the verge of breaking through on your Big Twelve championships and yeah. at that time, you know, but that that looks really good right now. And we haven't seen it since. So yeah, that that I think is a starting point. Six and six would be a, a progress. You know what I mean? Something yeah. of that nature. But that 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 nine win mark has got to be the bar. And that's that's the selling point is which I would be like, we're not settling for anything less. And if you're not coming in here to bring that type of attitude, like I said, man, when those when those old teams, when it was like a unite, it, it was like the linemen all moved succinctly. It was like it was like the fullback. They all knew what their assignments were. The, 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 the wingbacks were blocking 20 yards downfield. It was like everybody, if it wasn't coming your way, they were still running hard patterns. There was, there was nothing that wasn't hard. The defense, it was like if they ran off tackle, a sweep, an option, uh, if they had a drag coming across the middle, there was a linebacker hitting him and, the, you know, there was like multiple, it was always a, just an a, 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 a influx of people always moving towards the yeah. ball. And that's what I used to see, but I don't see that. I don't see that now. A lot of break, and you can see it if 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 your special teams mm. is not giving you that. Which we can go back and track it. At the best, Nebraska in their best year, they only punted five times, and then they they only gave up twelve yards in special teams. That's that's because everybody took pride in whatever their assignment was, right? Yeah. And so, like, right now, people say, people in their minds saying, well, if I ain't on the field, but see, that that comes with that, this new generation, that Instagram generation, uh, I'm a four-star, I'm better than, I'm a five-star, I'm better than running up and down the field, you know, no, 
they, 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 this is part of of being able to test what type of character you really have. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter what your job or your assignment is. And I think that, you know, some of the, the generations of the day just ha- have lost lost track of that. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it would be no different than you're somebody on the bench and the game is a little bit out of whack and you come in with three minutes left in the game. That's three minutes for me to get something done. Dive on the floor, get a steal, do something, make a play, drop a dime. Do- Use those three minutes. Make it the best yeah. three minutes that you have, right? But now some people just stroll in there now. It's like, why might he put me in now? Why, you know, that's kind of the mentalities of the day, and that's unfortunate. So because because every opportunity is an opportunity. If they see you busting it down there, that can change the mindset of a coach. You know, and that's and that's how I got in the league. There was, I I was sick as a dog in the in the, in my pre pre draft camp. I was sick. I was throwing up blood. I, I I played terrible. I mean, in all aspects, the way I look at my game, I played horrible. But there was one scout sitting up there from the Dallas Mavericks, Ron Aker. God rest his soul. I I, I can't. I, I haven't talked to him in a long time, but we did used to stay in touch, and he was very old, so I think he may have passed. But nonetheless, Ron Aker saw me up there. But what he saw is no matter how bad I played, I still was hustling. I still was scrapping. I still was diving. And he and, and I got that's what got me a call. And that's that's the difference. That's the difference. Yeah, we'd love to see that, you know, hustle and tenacity out of out of the, the football team and the basketball team. And, and like you said, whether it's special teams or the the burner minutes, obviously there at the end, um, that can that can certainly get the eye of the coach or, you know, the fans or some sort of support. It's all about attitude. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just kind of strange, you know, kind of thinking about those days. It, it You know, I, I still kind of go back to that nine win discussion and kind of thinking, you know, uh, we we put it on hold for a year, you know, and, and, and every year you could do that coming off whatever previous season, if you're five and seven, okay, well, you might not win nine this year, but we've had to put it off every year. And that's what I thought was um, dangerous about kind of putting this team, bringing Scott Frost back was like, man, how can we have another year of hoping to go six and six? Um, so I think at some point, you, you know, you kind of have to elevate those and get back to, you know, the longer you stay in mediocrity, the longer you, you, it's going to, the tougher it's going to get to be out of, get out of it. And it festers. Yeah. It festers. Mediocrity festers. And, and, and again, some of you that are listeners, some of you may be new uh, as listeners. That was what I saw with the Mavericks early on. You've got Jason Kidd, Jamal Mashburn. You've got Jimmy Jackson, the original big three. And then you still got some talent around them, right? Then you get some young draft picks, and they come in. You got your Lauren Meyer that came from Iowa State. You, you know, I think you had uh, UMKC, Tony Dumas, who we played against at Nebraska. Then they come in, and, and you got these young, new, vibrant players with a core group of old players, and it was so mediocrity. It was like individuals playing for themselves. I got to get mine tonight. Jason had 30 last night. Okay, it's my turn. And then all of a sudden, you're not playing together as a unified group. And then afterwards, it was like it didn't matter. And for me, that irked me when I used to see that. And I was like, man. And so for me, the hardest thing that hurt me the most was getting traded in the midst of the turnaround. I mm. knew that next year we're, we were going to be we we're going to be winners because I saw it. I saw the way we finished the year from what we started. And I saw that we were going to be winners and that and they won 50 games that next year. 
Strick, this was something that me and Rico brought up the other day, and I'm I'm curious to see what you think when it comes to the basketball program. So, obviously, Hoiberg looks like it, it might not be working out, but sometimes these teams take shots in the dark and, and get a coach that used to be very prestigious and now has fallen off a little bit, maybe had some violations, things like that, and the name Rick Patino was brought up. If some if, if a coach like Rick Patino were to leave his current situation, which I believe he's with Iona, and he became available and Hoiberg's pushed out, would you take a risk on a coach like that? Um, I don't see why not. I don't see why not. I mean, if you got to pay eighteen million, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know that that's a different discussion because I mean, at some point, you, you, you're probably if he's had success, you're going to have to touch him up a little bit, or you got to get prepared to touch him up. If he comes in, and he turns it around in a couple of years, you got to get prepared to touch him up. So, one way or the another, you're going to have to have something in the coffers. Maybe that that new billion dollar big. Big Ten deal would be something that can help in that manner. But and if that's the case, then you can look at something like that. I think you can look that way or you can look at a young coach that's inspiring, that's getting the most out of what he's been given. You know, he's been given a bag of dirt and he turns dirt to gold. You know what I mean? He's down in North Texas or he's down somewhere and he's just he's getting these young players to buy in and they're and they're and they're and they're working through it. Because then that type of person can come in and change the whole culture and bring out something in kids and young men that 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 they haven't you know been used to, and can change their whole perspective. Those are the two ways that you can go. And I got some questions off the text line too. Brev says, "Favorite NBA player you played against?" <laughs> Favorite? Favorite's kind of a weird way to put it, but yeah, I, I suppose. <laughs> um, I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why I like this particular player and that was Gary Payton is because that was a mirroring of what what I felt I was I was a I was a he was taller than me but I was a I was a post-up guy I was just a player I was a hawk defender I was going to give you problems and so I loved uh, I loved playing against him so that that was a, a favorite matchup so a quick story on Gary Payton my rookie year I had I had like 28 points I was working on 30 against Gary and and um, um, I think um, so I was working him out a little bit. I wasn't really talking because I know Gary bumps his gums. He'll, he'll, he'll talk crazy to you. So there was one instance he posted me up and I know Gary. I, I, I studied him. So I knew kind of what he liked to do. He would like to work me to the middle and spin with that left hand. And I was on it and I swiped at it because I knew it was coming and I hit it. He lost the ball. He retained it and he just happened to throw it up and he made it. And I was like, yeah, 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 good shot, good shot. He was like, yeah, I know it was a good shot. Now, there was some cursing in that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know it was a good shot. You know, and I said, well, that's why I'm killing you tonight. I'm giving you 30. And he said, he said, shut up, rookie. He said, my wife makes more than you. <laughs> <laughs> He's prepared to talk, isn't he? <laughs> he was prepared to come back at me. He was like, yeah, my wife. I said, well, you're probably right, Gary. Your wife probably is making more than me right now. <laughs> Did Gary have a celebrity wife? I guess I didn't follow that down the line. Uh, no, her, her name was Monique Payton. They they'd been together like back in college, so they they grew up. Actually, she's out in Vegas. Um, you know, I know her. She's she's uh, she's good people. She knows my family too. So yeah, uh, no, they're they're not together anymore. But no, she, I wouldn't say she's a celebrity, but in her own right, she is. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's you know they've been together and they spent together. Uh, they spent a lot of uh, their life together. Uh, raised some good sons that came through and. 
one of them now is doing his thing. Oh, yeah, I see that. I just, I wonder, because, you know, if Tom Brady tells you your, his wife's making more than you, you go, well, yeah, she's making more than all of us combined. What do you want me to do? <laughs> right. Individually, herself, without Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh, Mike from the game shows back. He says, uh, he, he apparently didn't, he took the high road when he won, uh, but now he says, Strick, was your ego bruised losing to a guy with zero confidence in a game with all NBA <laughs> questions today? He's back. Uh, not at all, man. It, kudos <laughs> to you. Even on your best day, somebody like, um, you know, uh, a, you know, a, a non-factor in the game can beat you, <laughs> if, you right. if you take them lightly. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, just imagine like the tennis players, some of the greats, if you go in there and you take them lightly, you might get your head split. You know, even a Serena Williams, you go in there and take somebody lightly, you might get your head split. Uh, in any night, somebody can bust you open if you uh, take them lightly. So I took you lightly because I was sipping on wine. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, complete, without it, that, you would have been just fine. Um, I did want to ask you this. Danny Cannell, uh, of course, uh, he works for CBS Sports. Yeah. yeah, he used to work for ESPN. He's never tried ramen noodles, which uh, makes me think that at some point, I don't know if I can connect with him more. It's one of those things you find out and you just go, He's like an alien. Is there anything very strange um, that you haven't tried as of yet? He's probably come up from uh, uh, that good money. Yeah, he never had to, he never <laughs> had the college us, us ramen kids that didn't have it like that uh, was definitely eating. Uh, you know, you were going to your college dorm and you had that little shelf, and that shelf was stacked with every kind of ramen noodle in there. Oh, yeah, you had all different flavors. So, I mean, you could, <laughs> you could have different things to offer there. But. Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I would venture to say I was pretty blessed. I, didn't, I don't think um, there's not anything that I – uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not a crazy, I, I'll try a lot of stuff, but I'm not a crazy dude. Like I'm not going to eat tarantulas and, yeah. and you <laughs> know, I'm not going to do you. like they do over, like, you know, in, in the, in the far East over Malaysia and, you know, eat some, some live squid or some stuff yeah. like that. Nah, it's gotta be cooked <laughs> up. It's gotta, it's, it's gotta be fried and, and tried for me. I'm not, oh, I will say caviar. You haven't tried it or you have? No, sir. No, you no, won't. Sir. No, sir. I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can do it. I might lose it. You know, you you, you watch Fear Factor, right? Oh you, yeah. You've seen Fear Factor, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That 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 would caviar to me would be like Fear Factor. Yeah, they would be one of them things. It would have to be uh, chugged down with some tequila or oh, something yeah. strong. You're kill not it. enjoying you know, it. I don't think I can do it. Uh, Brev asked you your favorite teacher in school. Maybe Brev used to have a used to be your teacher or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, there was a there was a teacher. Um, but there was there was um, Mr. Willett. Um, he was at Bellevue West. He was well. You know what? Let me let me let me. It's between Willett and my guy. Everybody probably knows him because he's been on radio before. He's a super golfer. I beat his head in every time, and I know I'll probably text me if he hears this. <laughs> but um, Dave Schillinglaw, my marketing teacher. Oh yeah. He was like one of my favorite. He was actually the one. If it wasn't for Dave Schillinglaw, I'm not playing baseball. Because huh. I it wasn't even in my purview. I didn't even I, it wasn't yeah. even a thought. But he sat me down and he said, "Strick, you're a tremendous athlete." He's like, "I think if you play baseball, he's like, I think you'll get drafted." And wow. I was like, "Like, stop it!" Ended up hitting like 483. I hit like 483. And 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 here's the crazy thing: I hit 483 that year. I go my rookie season down to Florida, and that is the worst. Like you think you think rookie ball is 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 cool, right? Because you kind of show up, you've got the the big training facilities, you know, the real spring training. You're there. Yeah. 
But um, you know, your workouts, I mean, you 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 get up at seven in the morning, you go eat your breakfast, you go in, you do early work, whatever that is, fielding, running bases, hitting, whatever it is, and you go in and change, and it's hot like fire at 10 o'clock in the morning in the summer. So then you're sweating, you go shower, you get ready for the game, you play almost all of your games at 12 noon. They put you in a they put you in a nice little apartment complex, so it makes it look like it's grandioso and glue, you know, all good. But no, sir. Yeah. <laughs> now I found out that I had astigmatism that I couldn't see at night very good. And so I was able to hit the ball the way that I was hitting the ball, even with astigmatism. And I ended up having I ended up getting LASIK, and, and that's what helped. So I was shooting the ball. With with not really being able to see clearly, huh. so uh, go figure. Well, good thing they they didn't dim the lights there. I popped a banner. Right. Uh, uh, I can't say this name, but somebody's uh, asking who dunked on you the hardest in your career. Who's one that you just go, gosh, he got me. Um, I got got by Steve Francis. Oh, franchise, yeah. So he came down the middle of the paint. I came off of my defender and I tried to get my feet outside the restricted zone, but he had already rose. And <laughs> it was too late. Streaky got streaky, streaky got body. I got, I got body. Yeah. It yeah. can happen. It happens. Franchise did that to a lot of people. So at least yeah. you don't have to feel too bad that way. Uh, maybe we'll continue this conversation, but we are up against it. So we got to take a break. Uh, when we come back uh, again, keep sending in your questions. 402-464-5685. We'll ask Strick a few more questions and might even dive in to some other conversations around the world of sports, including the MLB, be threatening to shorten their season if the deadline is not met uh, by the players' side. Uh, I don't know if I believe it. I, the MLB is always having these arguments, but they're, they're, apparently they're getting pretty serious. So we'll dive into that next year on On the Block on 93.7 The Ticket.